This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, and we are going to turn to the book of Isaiah, a familiar place, and we're going to read once again from Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to start at verse 1. But before we do, let me pray and ask that the Lord will give us all ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to us this morning. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to dive into your word. I pray that you would speak to every one of our hearts. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you desire for us to learn today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit that reveals the truth to us. May you be with us in each of our homes as we take this time together to seek your face through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. We're going to talk about that this morning. We have looked at the presence of God in the midst of deep waters, in the midst of going through rivers of difficulty, and today we're going to look at the presence of the Lord in the midst of the fire of oppression. And I am so thankful for the presence of God. It is what holds us together when we have many forces from the enemy trying to bring destruction and tear it all apart. I remember when I was about 14 years old, I was uh, downstairs in uh, our um, uh, the place where we were living, and I was, it was late at night, and uh, I was playing video games, and uh, all of a sudden, I see that there's smoke coming out of the laundry area, and um, I forget all that transpired. It all happened so quickly, uh, but I recall, I believe it was my mother saying, get out of the house, get out of the house, and so I ran out, and uh, my brothers ran out. I have five younger brothers, and uh, we got out on the lawn, and the fire engine came, and there was smoke, there was uh, fire, and what had happened is our dryer had caught on fire, and so the, the firemen went in, and they did what they needed to do to clear things out. They were in the upstairs, throwing stuff out of the rooms, and downstairs, and wetting everything down to put out the fire, which we appreciate so much, uh, but in the middle of that... When it was all said and done, uh, the fire had damaged uh, a lot, and uh, beyond that, uh, whatever wasn't damaged by the fire uh, was damaged by the water. And so in that instance, we, we ended up needing to move, and uh, 
we, we lost what we had. And fire, uh, when it comes into our lives, it brings destruction. And uh, I want to talk to you about that because every single one of us in one way or another have been affected by fire. I want to tell you a story about a man named Lathan Johnson. He was from Colorado. He was overseeing a crew of firefighters attempting to fight a forest fire in Wyoming. And because there was bad radio reception, he was not able to hear that the fire was closing in on him and his crew very quickly. And so as he turns a corner, he finds out by sight a, that there's a massive black smoke plume that is billowing just a few hundred yards up the canyon. And the fire was coming his direction, and they would not be able to outrun the fire. And so he had to make the decision with his crew that they would hunker down where they were. They had no other choice. So they each took out their uh, thin aluminum blankets that they had packed for such an occasion, and they unwrapped them and put them over themselves, and they laid down holding all of the corners down, waiting for this raging fire to come their way and trusting that this aluminum blanket that they had would spare them from the fire. And so they waited and the fire got closer. They could hear it. And as they would peek out underneath the aluminum blanket, they could see the fire raging towards them. Uh, the sound of the burning trees was all around them now, and the wind was picking up as the heat came closer, sometimes up to 60 miles an hour, continuing to hold down all the parts of their blanket as best they could for about 60 minutes. Uh, they stayed under their blankets as the entire area uh, burned all around them, and as they lay there, uh, they were thinking about what would happen if they didn't make it out alive. Thankfully, when the hour was over, the fire had passed. It burned everything around them, but it had passed over them because uh, they had these thin aluminum blankets that were covering them, and they emerged relatively unscathed with only a few minor burns. In this life, you and I are going to be tested by fire. How do I know that? Well, the words of Jesus from Mark chapter 9, verse 29, go like this. Everyone will be tested with fire. Everyone will be tested with fire. Now, only those who are prepared with the protection of the presence of God will survive the test of fire. But not everyone will pass this test. Only those whose faith in God is strong. We need to be fully covered with the blanket of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to adequately make sure that we are covered, we need to make sure that we get rid of everything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure that we live lives that are in line with what pleases God, that we live lives of holiness as unto the Lord, a life that brings joy 
to God's heart. After all, he paid a great price for you and for me, and he loves us so very much. Now, an interesting thing about fire is that the same fire that the enemy tries to use to bring destruction in our life is the same fire that God uses to purify. In fact, the Bible tells us that often fire accompanied the very presence of the living God. When the dedication of the temple occurred and Solomon had finished building the temple, the scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 1 that when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence that filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. You may remember at the burning bush when Moses had an encounter with the Almighty God who introduced himself as the great I Am. It was at a bush that was burning with fire, but it wasn't burning up. God showed up often accompanied by fire. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, it speaks of the mount where God showed himself to his people. And it says, all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. And then from this scenario, we go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 and onward. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion. In other words, we have not come to that mountain but rather we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. This is a contrast between what we are now facing versus what the people in the, under the old covenant were facing. 
But then it goes on to tell us in verse 25 that we need to be very careful because if we do not refuse, or if we do refuse rather to listen to the one who is speaking, if those before the people of Israel did not escape when they, list, when they refused to listen to Moses, God's earthly messenger, we certainly will not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Listen to this promise that God made. This is not for back then. This is for now. This is for the days in which we live. God promised, he said, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Our God is a devouring fire. You and I go through times where fire that affects us may not necessarily be like the fire that you would see on a stove. But it's very hot nonetheless. And it affects our lives and it brings sometimes great devastation and destruction into our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says these words, There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you haven't seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Friends, when we decided to follow Jesus, we were never guaranteed that everything was going to be a bed of roses. In fact, when we decided to follow Jesus, I hope that all of us understood the cost that we would need to pay to stay walking on this narrow path. See, in this world in which we live, uh, the world around us does not value the things of the kingdom of God. And so for the, from the world's perspective, the things that we may sacrifice or that we may uh, push aside so that we can live a life that truly honors the one who redeemed us looks like foolishness to them. In fact, it might seem pretty crazy when we have opportunity to be able to live life, to enjoy pleasure, or to simply live life for fame, or to be able to gain a lot of money, or perhaps to, uh, uh, to have a lot of friends. And uh, the opportunity for compromise is there, and it seems so tempting uh, to do what seems like just some small thing wrong. You can get such great dividends 
and the enemy certainly makes it look like that's the case. But the scripture tells us that there is a way that may seem right unto a person, but the end is destruction. And so there are many times where a person may know something is wrong, but because of the, the great seeming benefit of, of what will come out of this little compromise, it's very easy to say, well, uh, I'm just going to rationalize that away and I'm going I'm to end up uh, doing this little thing wrong so that I can get this great benefit. But what is not always clear is that the end result is always destruction. What the enemy offers us in exchange for what we do that displeases the Lord, the problem is, is that when we make a deal with the enemy, the enemy will never hold up his part of the deal because Satan is the father of all lies. And so when we come into our walk with God and we don't fully understand what it means to follow Jesus, we can find ourselves in a bit of a predicament uh, when we face some uh, testing and trials that feel like a great fire is around us. And it can be so intense that we may not know exactly what to do. But friends, if we live prepared by not only reading the Word of God, but putting it to practice, then the presence of the living God, which is the Holy Spirit that came to live inside of us and to help guide us and lead us and to strengthen us to be able to live a life that honors God, when we allow God's presence to be with us and to live in us and to overflow from us, then God's presence is what is going to help us to be prepared for these fiery tests that we find ourselves in. Our, uh, these tests, these fire tests, are the very things that prove our faith is genuine. See, it's great if I could say to you, uh, well, I have great faith in God. Uh, you may say, good, good, that's wonderful. But you would never really know if I have great faith in God until you see me go through uh, a, a fiery test where I remained faithful against great opposition. And then looking in, and if I remain steadfast, even in the face of great loss, even in the face of great persecution, then you could say, well, there's something more than words to that person's faith. God wants all of us to have a faith that is robust, a faith that can pass the test of fire. And God wants to prepare us, and so he prepares us through his word because he doesn't want us to get caught off guard. And so if you and I remain prepared, then when the fire comes, though it may be difficult, yet God's presence will be there with us, and his presence is what makes all the difference. You know, when we live our life in this world... If we choose to live close to the edge and we want to entertain certain things that dishonor God and we decide, well, that's not so bad, then what we have to remember is that we might not be in a fiery test at the moment, 
But when we live like that and we dishonor God, maybe little by little, just slowly uh, with the things that we say, with our attitudes, with the things we watch, that we listen to, and we allow the enemy to get a little foothold in there. Now, fast forward, maybe in a week or, or a month, now you're going through a fiery test and all of a sudden the pressure's on. Well, now, then is when you really need the presence of the Lord. Now, if all along you have been uh, flirting with the enemy and with danger, now, all of a sudden when the fire comes, you cry out to God and you say, oh, God, I need your help. Well, God is so gracious that he will answer our heart's cry to come and help, but he also does want to teach us a lesson because he does not want us playing games with sin and then at the same time thinking that in a moment's notice, we can just say, hey, God, help me. I'm in a fiery situation. We need to remember that we have to walk daily in the presence of God, that when the pressure's on or when we're doing great and the weather seems fine on a beautiful day like today, that we are still loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, that when there is no it, there is no fire that we can see in the distance, that even when things look great and we say, no, I'm going to choose to honor God and I'm not going to do what, I, what my flesh wants to do, then when the fire does come, guess what? We have been living in the presence of God, so it's that much easier for us to be able to face the danger with confident assurance and without guilt and without shame, we can call on God and say, God, just like I was asking you yesterday that I needed your help, so today the fire seems to be very hot and I need your assistance. Would you please come to my aid? And God will come quickly to help us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth here, and he says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. That builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Think about that, friends. God is telling us that the day is coming when your works, my works, all of our works are going to go through what I picture like a conveyor belt right through the furnace. And what comes out the other side and survives is what we get rewarded for. But if what we do for God, if the level of our contribution or the level of our obedience is a level of wood or hay or straw, guess how far that's going to make it once it starts burning? 
it's not going to get far at all. In fact, the only thing coming out the other end is ashes. But let's say you have honored God and you've been obedient to him. You have been faithful. Now, I'm not talking here about salvation. Uh, salvation is a free gift. And salvation is referred to uh, by uh, the parable that Jesus told of the workers. One started at the beginning of the day. Another was hired a little later and on down. And another one just not long before the day was over. And the person who had made an agreement of financial payments said to each one that he would pay them a certain amount. And when he went to pay each one, the one who had worked all day and the one who had worked only one hour, they all got paid the same. Well, when the person who was working all day saw that the person who worked only one hour got paid the same, he started to complain. And the person responded and said to him, well, didn't I make an agreement with you for that amount? And is it not my money to do with as I wish? I have paid you what I have agreed to pay you. Now, I'm so grateful that like the thief on the cross, that even in the last breath, even in the last moment of life, God will forgive us. Even if a person has lived their whole life for the devil and they turn to God in the, in the last moment and they repent, God will forgive them if they genuinely repent. But for those even who come to the Lord at the very end of life, this, what I'm talking about here, still applies. For the person who may be saved at the last minute does not necessarily mean that they will have works that will survive the fire. In fact, it is very possible that they would be the one referred to here in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where the builder is saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I don't know about you, but I don't want to enter heaven like that. I don't want to barely make it in by the skin of my teeth. I want to, without shame, come before the God who gave his life for me and to not come with a proud attitude of, oh, look at all of this I did, but rather to come with a sense of joy to say, God, I am so glad that I was able to serve you and to honor you while I was living on earth. And the rewards are God's business, but he clearly tells us that he is the one who does give rewards according to our work and according to our obedience. Now, it goes on to say in verse 16 that we must realize that all of us together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in us. And then he says, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, God takes very serious his body, and that is all of us together, as well as individually. And so whenever we do anything that harms the body of Christ, that is our brothers or sisters, God takes that very seriously. And when we do things to harm our own body, Friends, God also takes that seriously. I want to I encourage those of you who uh, may not take seriously how you treat your own body. Uh, remember that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there are times where, where people can uh, be involved in things that bring destruction to their body. 
Uh, smoking, for example, does a great damage to a physical body. And God does not want us to be damaging our body. Um, intentional, and I know there are, there are unique situations health-wise, but intentional um, overeating or, or not taking good care of, of our health and how that affects our heart and all the other parts of our body, that's not healthy for us either. So in any of these situations, we need to say, God, I know that my body is the temple of your Holy Spirit. Help me to take good care of it. In addition, we have to be careful how we treat one another because as we treat our brother and sister, as we care for them, or if we have lack of care for them, then we can allow an attitude that is careless to come in. And if we don't properly care for those in our body, then that also displeases the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are to carry one another's burdens, and, and that makes um, God, God's heart pleased with us. So our faith is tested by fire. I, I want to just share with you a few key points from uh, three young men that stood out in the middle of a situation that was a great test for them. You may be, be very familiar with the story in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, he had made this huge statue, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. He set it up and he had all of the officials, the high officers, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the provincial officials come to this dedication. And uh, he had uh, everybody hear this message. And the message simply said that when the sound of the musical instruments began to play, everyone was to bow down and to worship uh, this gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar had uh, erected. And everyone who refused to obey would immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 5, uh, these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we're going to be looking at, those three young men knew these words, no doubt, where God said, you must have no other God but me. He also said, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Exodus 34, 14 says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. So God had instructed his people, these three young men, they knew what God expected of them. God said, you must not bow down to worship them. And yet the king had just said, Everyone is expected to bow down. So the setting is there. The pressure is on. The musical instruments begin to sound. And as the musical instruments uh, are sounded, everybody all around, all the people, it says, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue. No matter what their race was, their nation, or their language, all of these people were giving in 
to the pressure. They were all obeying the king, but dishonoring the king of kings. And so there were those who saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow their knee, but while everybody else was bowing, they remained standing. And so they came to the king and they shared with him what happened. And they said, these three pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, the scripture says in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3. And he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. They came before him and he asked them the question, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to, ser to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'll give you another chance. And if you bow down, we'll just call it even. Everything will be fine. But if you refuse, then you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my Power. What God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, in the, uh, in the Word of God, when we look at fire and how it can affect our lives, there is a purifying factor that God uses. And in the middle of that purifying factor, there is also great pressure. Great pressure that comes especially before everything kind of comes to a head. Sometimes the battle that we fight in our mind is even greater than the battle that we actually are going to end up fighting when it comes down to it. There's sometimes uh, such a great worry, such a great fear that can fill our hearts and our minds before we even enter the battlefield that debilitates us and cripples us. And that's why God says to us over and over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And these words that Isaiah wrote years prior to this event with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it is very possible that these very words were echoing in their hearts as the king was declaring what God will be able to rescue you from my power. For it was God through Isaiah who had already spoken and said, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know them by those names, but those names are actually the ungodly names. Those were the names given to these young men uh, by the king, and these were in representation of worship of false gods. But their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were the names that God had given them. And he says to them, I have called you by name and you are mine. No matter what the world says about you, no matter what name the world gives you, you will always be known by God, by the name that he has given you. And that's why it's so wonderful when you and I get into the presence of God, we hear God call our name for what it really is. There are times when the world will even make up names 
to put upon us. But our God who created us is the one who has the right to name us. And I'm so thankful that he calls us by our name. And he goes on to say that when we go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And oh, how wonderful to hear these words in the middle of this situation. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So the three young men responded, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Their mind was already made up regardless of the cost. Because they had already counted the cost and they knew that it could cost them any, everything. They had decided to honor God above everything else. I want to ask you, friend, have you truly counted the cost of following Jesus? It is possible that the pressure may ramp up in your life. Have you come to the point where you have decided, God, no matter what, I am choosing to honor you, even if it costs me everything? It's very important that you come to the understanding that your walk with God is more important than anything else in this world. Well, Nebuchadnezzar heard these words and was furious. It, the scripture says he got distorted with rage. So he had the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual. Now, uh, what, what would have that looked like? Well, about 111 degrees, you begin feeling a burn on your skin. 118 would be a first degree burn. 131 degrees, you would have a second degree burn. 140, you would have third degree burns, and at 162 uh, degrees, human tissue is destroyed on contact. At 212 degrees, water boils, and at 960 degrees, silver will melt. It appears, from what we can tell, that this furnace must have been heated up to at least over a thousand degrees because when these three young men were thrown into this furnace, the soldiers that threw them in didn't make it alive and they didn't even go in themselves. They were just throwing the others in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied were thrown into these roaring flames and Nebuchadnezzar the king is, uh, is, is watching this whole thing, no doubt, from a distance. Uh, but he could see what was going on. And the scripture says that he jumped in amazement. And he exclaimed, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Oh, yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. 
and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they stepped out of the fire, and the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, they all crowded around, and they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And he made a decree that everyone was to worship the one true God. When we see all that happened here, uh, these three young men, they were ready. Uh, they were ready to go. They didn't know 100% whether or not they would be walking out of that fire. You can tell it by the way they spoke prior. They said, our God is able, but even if he doesn't, we are not going to serve you, your gods, or uh, to bow down to them. Because they knew that to do that would compromise uh, their walk with God. And it would compromise everything that they had lived for. Now, God knew their heart, and God heard their heart's cry. And what an amazing thing that as they are thrown into this furnace, the only thing that burns on them are the, the, the cords that are holding them bound. And everything else, they were completely covered. Just like that uh, group of firemen who got underneath their little uh, aluminum blankets and they were spared uh, because they got underneath them. So in a similar way, the presence of God completely enveloped uh, these three young men. And not only did it envelop them, but th the Lord himself was there present with him. It is the presence of the Lord that makes the difference in the midst of the raging flames. And I imagine that the three young men, as they were in that furnace, were absolutely ecstatic to see that God was rescuing them. They didn't know whether they would make it out of there alive, but because they put their trust in God, God brought them through even in the midst of great fiery trial. Now, as we read the book of Hebrews, we see that not every person who trusts in Christ necessarily gets out of their situation alive. In fact, the Bible tells us that there were many who gave their lives for Christ, and uh, in the middle of all that they went through, they gave a good report by standing firm in the faith. Uh, the main point I want to share with you is, is that whether or not uh, you make it through uh, the fiery furnace and your hair doesn't even get singed like these three young men, or if you end up uh, breathing your last breath in that fire, no matter what, the presence of the living God is what makes the difference. Whether in life or in death, God has made us a promise and he said that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And God is very able God is very able to completely deliver us. He is able to keep the flames from destroying us. 
He is able to keep us from drowning in the deep water. He is able to keep us from becoming overcome by the rivers of difficulty. And he is able to keep us from being consumed by the flames. See, God is a consuming fire. And so God is the one who will always have the last word. Fire uh, doesn't dictate to God what will happen. It is God who controls what happens in the flames. And I want to remind you that no matter what you go through, you never need to be afraid because the God you serve is greater and he is able to handle everything in every single situation that you go through. And I'm so thankful that we can have that confidence in the Almighty God. This morning, maybe you're watching and you would say, Pastor Joseph, I, I'm not sure that I really have a relationship with God. What do I need to do uh, to be able to uh, truly have the protection of the presence of God in my life, whether in life or in death? Friend, the Bible tells us that this life in this life, we are destined to die, and after this, we will stand and give an account before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the issue that we are going to have to deal with are the things that we have done that are sins. Sins are anything that displeases God, anything that is contrary to the law of God. And if we're honest, we recognize that we have sinned and we have displeased God and friend, there's no payment of money that we can pay for sin. In fact, there's no religious duty that you could do to pay for your sin. There's no great thing that you can do to pay for your sin. There's no good or amount of good deeds that you can do to pay for your sin. And that's exactly why Jesus had to come, because we had no way out. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus in our place to pay the price for our sin. He was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world, your sin and mine. And if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus was indeed the Son of God and that He rose from the dead and that He paid the price for our sin, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of the living God, comes to live inside of us, to transform us, and to make us a brand new person. And the way God works in us is from the inside out. And he will provide strength for you. He will give you joy. He will give you peace. He'll walk with you through every single situation. There is no challenge that is too great for our God. And if you're listening this morning and you would say, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my life to follow Christ. And I'd love to pray with you. And I want to ask you if you would join with me in this prayer. I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray after me. And nothing magical about the specific words, but God hears your heart and he knows what you're saying. And the most important thing is, is that you're speaking to him and you're asking him to transform your life. So I would love to lead you in that prayer. And as you pray this prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to be doing a work. Let's join together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned and I need your salvation.
I choose today to surrender my life. I choose to repent of all that I have done wrong. I ask that you would please forgive me. Please wash my heart clean. Please make my heart brand new. I desire for your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. I choose from this day forward to live in obedience to you. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. And thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I celebrate with you and I welcome you warmly to the family of God. We would love to be in touch with you. You would simply send us, send us an email to contact at clc413.com and we would love to share with you some next steps in your walk with God. For all of us here today who are walking with Jesus, I want to remind you words from Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3. God says to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Some of you have lives where there are entire patches of it that have been absolutely destroyed by fire. And all that remains are ashes. And you may look at your life and say, I don't know. I thought before all this happened, I had great hopes. I was looking forward to doing great things. But now I feel like my life is shattered and all my hope is gone. Friend, I want to remind you that God is in the business of restoration. And he is the one who gives a crown of beauty in place of ashes. If you would be willing to give him the ashes of the areas of your life that have been perhaps destroyed by fire, things that have caused chaos and confusion and great pain, allow him to do the trading. Allow him to take your ashes and to give you that beauty. Sometimes that trade takes a while. Sometimes some of those areas God needs to work out some things in your life. But as you allow his word, to teach you, and as you surrender to him, you watch and see. God will make out of you something beautiful as you surrender your life to him. I want to pray for you this morning that the Lord will encourage your heart. And so right where you are, I want to ask if you would just bring before God those areas of your life uh, that are completely scorched by fire, and I'm going to pray with you that God will bring such luscious growth that it would, you would never know that there was a fire. That the Lord will bring you through as if nothing had ever happened. And that you will be blessed even double for all the trouble that you've been through. I would love to pray with you now. Would you join with me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, I come into your presence thanking you for the wonderful privilege that no matter what we go through, we can always find help in time of need. Lord, I think right now of those who have gone through great fiery trials, 
Some, O Lord, who have endured great pain. Some who have not compromised and have paid a great price for it. Lord, I ask that you would sustain and strengthen your people. I pray that you would reward them double for their trouble. I pray that you would lift their spirits. Lord, I remember even as I, as I in my mind's eye, see the areas uh, in, in the place where I was born on the island of Hawaii, uh, where, where it seems mile after mile was just completely covered with volcanic ash. But then driving a little further in, another area that used to be completely covered uh, by destruction, yet then was turned to an absolutely beautiful rainforest. And I pray, O oh God, that you would allow these areas that may have been completely devastated by destruction in the lives of my friends today, I pray for restoration and that there will be such a return, such lush greenery, Lord, that the rain that falls upon them, Lord, would bring forth a great um, production of beauty, oh God, in their lives that they would have never expected. I pray that there will be beauty that flourishes in areas that have once been scorched by fire. And I pray that you would restore. I pray that you would bring healing. And I pray that you would bless. And may your word remain at the forefront of every single one. Your promise that even when we go through these fires of oppression, even when we go through these great difficulties, your promise remains true that we will not be burned up and that the flames will not consume us. I pray that we will hold on to your word more than we hold on to the feelings of what we're dealing with in the problems of life. God, we cling to you. We trust you. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We honor you and we bless you today in your precious name. Amen. Friends, remember that when you go through deep waters, God will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you. You are precious to God. You are honored, and he loves you. Don't be afraid, because his presence is with you. I look forward to seeing each one of you at our Zoom prayer meeting tonight. May the Lord bless each and every one of you. May you enjoy this beautiful day, and may you enjoy more than anything the presence of the living God. God bless you all.